away. Whoa, they have a fan up here, which is wonderful. I feel like every time I teach, it's been freezing, and now it's the complete opposite today, and it's just sweltering, so good luck out there. Um, <laughs> I, um, I just got back from Tahoe. My family and I took a, a little trip up to Tahoe this week. Um, it was really great. It was refreshing. We went for a beach holiday, and then we drove up, and it was a snow blizzard. I didn't even know that happens in Tahoe in June. And then two days later, we were on the beach. So we just had like all seasons going on. But one of the greatest things about where we were staying is we got this little Airbnb, and it had a little fire pit and a hot tub outside. It was very, um, very cool. And one of my favorite things to do is just to like unplug, um, unplug from social media, unplug from the news. I'm kind of an avid news reader. It's not the greatest trait about me. Um, I'm probably reading too much news. And so I completely just disconnected from that and just was with family and it was so uplifting and just being out at night wrapped with a blanket around the fireplace, looking at the stars, feeling like, isn't the world wonderful? And then I came back on Thursday and I opened up the news. And honestly, within like 12 hours, I just felt like the world was like caving in on me. I was reading about corruption and injustice and stuff happening in our country and in our world that just feels so dark and so heavy. A tragedy in my home country in England had experienced and it was just like, I come back from this beautiful place of just feeling like, isn't life great? And suddenly entered into this place where everything felt really dark and everything felt really heavy. And maybe some of you can relate to that, whether it's stuff going on in your own life or stuff going on in the world. It just feels like sometimes darkness is so present. Where is the light? Where's the good stuff, right? Like sometimes I'm just like, I'm reading the news and I just have to close my computer and I'm just like, ugh, oh, because it just feels so heavy and I feel so depressed about it. What is our response as believers to that? What are we supposed to do about that? How are we supposed to live? That's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And I'm going to be continuing our series of the Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to come at it a little bit backwards today. I hope that's okay with you. I want to build some context before we get to the passage that we're studying today. So we're actually going to start in Genesis. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis 1. We're going to start Genesis 1, verse 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your light this morning. Holy Spirit, we want to be totally in step with what you're doing in our lives today. Lord, I acknowledge that Father's Day is difficult for some of us. Some of us don't know how to be and do on Father's Day. We have so much mixed emotion. Some of us have had fantastic fathers. Some of us have not. Lord, we acknowledge that you are a good, good father. And no matter how we're feeling today coming in, just by the nature of it being Father's Day, Lord, I thank you that we get to engage with a loving father. 
who is present and wants to meet with us and available and loving and affirming in your response to us this morning. Father, I pray that you would illuminate our lives this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would shut down and silence every work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, that you would just parade in here, illuminated, illustrious, bright, shining, beautiful this morning and that we would see you. I pray that those in this room that have never seen you would see you this morning. That parts of our heart that have never seen you would see you this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Genesis at the very beginning. Light was God's first creation. In a dark and empty and formless place, light was God's response to that chaos and to that darkness. Now, this is quite an unusual creation story because a lot of the ancient religions back in the day kind of had this focus on creation being chaotic and dark and the gods were there and it was a heavy negative kind of thing. And then there's our God and our creation story that starts with light that starts with something beautiful, and that light would bring order, and it would bring life. See, Scripture opens with the theme of light, and it actually closes with the theme of light too. In Revelation 22, there's a description of the new heaven. It says, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. See, in the new heaven, light will emanate from God. We won't need the sun. We won't need these manufactured lights. God will be enough. So we kind of have this bookend in Scripture. We open with light and we end with light. And so that should tell us something. That theme is important for a reason. And then all the way through Scripture, we have it woven, these themes of darkness and light. And then most importantly, it tells us that God is light. 1 John 1.5 says, this is the message we've heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we have the beginning in Genesis, we have the end in Revelation, we have it woven through the stories and the story arc of scripture and then we have this announcement that the author himself is light. It's not just a theme that he likes to talk about, it's not just that he uses light here and there, but that he is light. The author, the creator, the God of the universe is light. And then when God created light in the beginning, it's not just like, whoa, Everything's dark and formless. Dude, we need to turn on the lights. But actually, it's an introduction. That God's first creative act was to make something that reflected his nature, that reflected himself. God is light, and that should tell us something about him. Instead of a deity shrouded in darkness, obscurity, and distance, God is visible explicit and bright. This does not communicate a message of a God who wants to hide from us. If he had wanted to hide from us, he could have hidden himself behind darkness, made himself obscure. But the first thing that he did was say, here I am. I'm visible. I'm explicit. I'm bright. I am light. See, this nature of light implies an immediate invitation for us. God wants to be known. 
And that is not an unsupported claim. If you read through scripture, you see God keeps showing up. It's kind of what he does. He's in the garden with Adam and Eve and he's walking with them. He's rescuing Israel again and again, keeps showing up for them. He's making a covenant with Abraham. He's constantly announcing his presence. I'm light, I'm here. Even after the fall, it's not just when everything is good and perfect, God's like, here I am. But after the fall, after everything goes awry, after, they, after we reject him and we say, ah, we want to do our own thing, God continues to show up. That's who he is. That's his presence in our lives. It's who he is. He can't change his nature. He can't stop showing up. He can't stop showing up in our lives. It's just who he is. Up in Tahoe this week, we are... Spent a lot of time outside, especially in the evening. It was my favorite thing to do because, you know, in San Francisco, it's like rare to see the stars. It's kind of, you forget they exist. And then you get out there and you're like, whoa, I'm super proud of myself because I found a constellation. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're looking at all of these stars, right? And it's crazy that something so distant can seem so close. That's what light does. Something that seems so distant in some ways seems so close. Scientists are constantly being wowed, right? Like, here's a new planet, here's a new star, here's a new galaxy. Like, there's so much out there. How do we know it's out there? Because light is coming. And if we trace this light from thousands, I don't know how many thousands years ago, we know that something fired, something was there, and now it's come to us, and light is the evidence of its existence. Light is the evidence of existence. The other thing about light is that it draws our attention, just like out in Tahoe, sitting there like, I found my neck was aching because I was like looking up and I couldn't stop and I looked away and I kept feeling like, no, I, I wanna look back up, I wanna take in the light of the stars and the beauty around me. That's what light does, it catches our attention that we wanna look at it and we wanna be pulled towards it. Our human vocabulary is filled with phrases, light at the end of the tunnel, a guiding light, to shed light on, it was a ray of light, so many more. Because light draws our attention and it guides us and it points to something. When we're in that dark tunnel and we say, oh, it's the light at the end of the tunnel, it's like we're going somewhere, we have a focus, we have something to move towards. These properties of light tell us something about the true light. God is looking to get our attention. God has been looking to get our attention since he created the universe. He's looking to get our attention this morning. He desires to draw us to him. See, most of us are pretty unaware of how dependent we are in light. When you have something so available to you, you just don't even realize how much you need it, right? You can just flick on that light switch. We've got light everywhere. We've got them on our phones now. Like, it's ridiculous. Light is everywhere. It's manufactured. It's at our disposal. This wasn't always how it was. Remember, years and years ago, I think back to that time when maybe there was a candle or a fire, but really life revolved around the sun. Like, the sun comes up, okay, we can get stuff done. When the sun goes down, we're limited in our capacity to work, to do anything. See, we're pretty disconnected to how dependent we are on light. Um, a couple of months ago, I work downtown in the city, and a couple of months ago, there was a power outage. Some of you might remember it. There's about two or three hours where part of the city was without um, power, without manufactured lights. Bart was down. I was on Twitter 
people were like, it's the end of the world. <laughs> it's Armageddon. Like literally people were tweeting this and, and some of my staff and I, we were, we were laughing because we were like, oh my goodness, it's the middle of the day. Like we're okay, we'll be fine. Someone will get it going again. But that's our response. Take away my light, take away my power. Oh my goodness, everything's falling apart. And we have a moment where we're suddenly self-aware that we are completely dependent on light and power. See, we are completely dependent on God. Whether you know that this morning or not, we are. We are completely dependent on him because he sustains life. He sustains life. And the thing about God is he knows we need him, but he doesn't wield that to manipulate us. He doesn't use that power to control us, to tease us, to avoid us, to trick us. Oh, I know you're so dependent on me, so I'm going to pull back from you, and I'm going to mess around with you and tease you and jerk you around. God is not about manipulating. He's about revealing and saying, I'm here. I know you need me, and I'm here. And I'm not dodging you, and I'm not avoiding you. I'm visible and explicit. I'm here. I wonder what your perception of God is today. Some of us know this in our head, but this morning we've just got to dig a little deeper into our hearts. Do we think that God's avoiding us? Do you sing these songs about God's love and his closeness and then all the while there's a part of your heart that's like, I just feel like he doesn't show up for me. I just feel like he's avoiding me. He's not present for me. We feel like God is distant. God is not avoiding you. God is not tricking you. God is not feeling obliged to you. He genuinely and authentically loves you and wants to know you and wants you to know him. He longs for a relationship with you. He's not annoyed by your searching or your questions. He's not put off. He's not hiding from you this morning and he's not using you like a puppet on a string. That we're just, he's just moving us around and then something's about to get God and God jerks us back to show us, let me just show you who's really in control. That's not how God works in our life. God is not taunting you. He's not second-guessing about how he feels about you. He's not withdrawn from you. He's not dodging or evading you. He didn't see you come into church today and thought, oh, geez, there's that one that I want to avoid because they don't really know what's up and it's awkward. God is not avoiding you this morning. He's not blocking your calls. He's not deflecting and he's not playing games. You see, some of us have had too many bad dates too many unhealthy relationships that we feel like there's always a hidden agenda. There's always something we don't really know what's going on. Will they call? Won't they call? Is this serious? I don't know. Are there strings attached? Is this guy insecure and needy? Like, what's going on? Why is she not calling me back? These are, this is the world that we live in. We live in a culture of ambiguity. No one really knows, right? It's all vague. Like, No one's communicating very well. And you see, when you live in that long enough, you begin to think that that's how God relates to us. Ambiguity is a part of life, but it is not a part of God. See, God is very clear. He has been communicating since creation. Let there be light, because that's me. That's who I am. He's clear about his desire for relationship and partnership. We see it in the garden, the way he walked with Adam and Eve. 
He's clear about his redemption process and his desire to just draw us back into relationship. He's clear about his work of restoration, that he's making all things whole, us and the world. There's nothing ambiguous or vague about his mission. He loves us. He's pursuing us. He wants to be known by us. Someone asked me, could you try and sneak some dating advice into every sermon that you give? <laughs> That's my dating advice today. Don't be ambiguous. Don't be vague. If you say it, mean it. Don't say it if you don't mean it. That's my dating advice. I'm done. <laughs> I know, that hits on a nerve, right? So everyone's like, oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> There's no ambiguity with God. I want to read a, I want to read a quote to you. Um, I always find myself, maybe it's my Britishness, I'm, I always feel drawn to like these, these preachers from the UK, from like the 1900s, just like really um, old time folks. I feel like there's so much wisdom. I'm going to read you a quote from a guy called Robert Finlayson, a Scottish preacher and professor from the mid-1900s. It's kind of complex. So I want you just to stay with me. God is at work as of old in a progressive development of light. We remember that in the first creation, light came progressively. It was not the sun in its meridian splendor that shone. Indeed, there is evidence that the sun had come at a much later period than the light. But the light did come. It came to wax and grow. God comes with waxing light. And as God's work develops, the light progresses until eventually it reaches noonday splendor. Our face is towards the sun rising, and our souls are looking towards the meridian splendor of God's fully developed work and of God's self-revelation to our souls. We are always going from the evening to the morning as the work of grace progresses in our souls. Let's just leave that up there for a moment if we can. What Finlayson is saying here is that he says it so beautifully, it's so rich, but he's talking about this progressive development of light, that it's God's intention to move us towards the light. This, this uh, mission that he's about to love us, redeem us, to restore us, it's a mission that moves us towards the light. It's step by step, moment by moment, shifting, stirring, changing us, moving us forward. Finlayson refers it to a waxing light. Waxing is how we describe the moon. As it's moving towards a full moon, as it's getting bigger, that's the image that comes to mind. It embodies this sense that God is about a waxing work, an increasing work, a developing, a filling out, a moving us towards something greater. That's how God works in our life. It's active. It's progressive. And as God illuminates our life, he reveals and uncovers in order to heal and restore See, it's always about redemption and restoration with God. That's why conviction is so sweet. God reveals something in our life and we go, oh, I want to change that. I want to shift away from that. I want to move towards the light. Paul writes in the Ephesians, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, and his incomparably great power for us to believe. This is kingdom language, revelation, to be enlightened. It means we don't see it all. It means we only see in part, and this work of God in our life is that we see more and more that the, that the moon would become greater and greater and greater. This waxing work in our life to seeing things that we don't see. See, this is what happens when you're sitting in church and you just have a moment that goes, oh, that's revelation. That's God turning the light on. When you're reading your Bible, when you're praying, when you're in conversation. Sometimes it just happens when you're in Tahoe looking up at the stars. That's the grace of God in our lives. This says, let me just come and illuminate you always for the purpose to redeem you and restore you, never to shame you, never to make you feel like you're just a bad person. You need to be better, try hard and muster it up, but always to move you closer to him, closer to the light. What is God doing in your life this morning? Where is he waxing? Where is he shedding light? You see, this is the thing about preaching. I don't even need to get specific about issues because when I start talking about God as light, he is showing up right now in your life as a light and you guys are already feeling it. There's already some of you in this room that you're just feeling the Holy Spirit tug at your heart. You're feeling drawn. You don't even know what you're being drawn towards. It's Jesus. There's a conviction for some of us. Don't let it turn into shame and condemnation. Say, you know what, this is sweet. Let's turn closer to Jesus. No matter what it is today, this illumination is always for a purpose and we have to do something with it. We have to respond. If the God of the universe comes and sheds light in the smallest or the biggest way in your life, that is a significant moment. You see, I think we've got really used to be having aha moments and moving on to the next thing. And we don't respond and we don't lean into it and say, God, what are you doing in my life? And then we wander around our lives, God's not doing anything. I don't hear God's voice. I'm not sure if I'm growing. When was the last time that God waxed your life with light? and showed you something, no matter how small or how big, how did you respond to that? We have to respond to the revelation of God in our life. See, a lot of us don't like change. We don't like change, we resist it, we're afraid of it. We don't know what we're gonna look like if we change. We don't know who we're gonna be, it's so unknown. What would it be like to leave behind old patterns, unhealthy relationships, crutches, excuses, and behaviors? Who will we be? So we dig our heels in and we kind of say, this is good, don't wax anymore, don't illuminate, this is, I'm good. I'm good with this little bit of light in my life. I'm satisfied. The Christian life is not about being satisfied. It's about progressing and moving closer to Jesus, being like him, being transformed from glory to glory. We're not supposed to sit here and say, this is good, no more. We're supposed to say, Jesus, do it all. I want all of the illumination. But you see, that change is terrifying. And so we begin to dig our heels and we're not even aware of how we do it. But we do it. And we hesitate 
and we stall and we shut down and we quit pressing into Jesus and we think it's okay to just be disobedient and just to kind of avoid doing that thing and our quiet times get less and we, we don't engage and we're just satisfied. And yet all the time, God is a God of light. He's not changing. So he's drawing us to him, drawing us to him faithfully, persistently, gently bringing this waxing light on our lives. Some of you are hearing me talk about this and you're thinking, oh God, I long for that light. I want that light so badly. I feel like I've been in such a dark season. I feel like things have been so hard and so chaotic. And some of us go through these seasons, well, all of us go through these seasons in our life at some point. And it's not sin. We've tested our heart and we're like, God, is this sin? It's not sin. It's not some demonic oppression. It's just like, just feels like uncertain and unclear and we don't know how to move forward. And some of us have been in that season for a really long time. It feels like a long winter. St. Gregory of Nyssa was a bishop in the third century. He was a theologian and a philosopher. He wrote extensively about light and darkness in the Christian faith. He referred to seeing that exists in not seeing. The idea that as we grow in our faith, as we're being matured, God works through seasons of darkness where we can't quite see him clearly. He refers to it as this dazzling darkness. And it's part of this journey where God's maturing us that we wouldn't just live for the high, bright moments that we wouldn't just live for the feelings and all the sweet, fluffy stuff. But God is saying, I want you to know me in your heart with eyes of faith. And sometimes we go through these dark seasons and it's like, God, are you still there? And we're tempted to believe that God has abandoned us. Or maybe the darkness in my life is just too much. Maybe I missed it. Maybe God doesn't know how to show up with me. Maybe he's throwing his hands up. Maybe I'm that one that he's avoiding and dodging in worship. God isn't freaked out by darkness. Psalm 139 says, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. Darkness is not equal to the light of God. It's not like two enemies pitted against each other and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be overwhelmed by this darkness and God can't help me. God says, you know what? The darkness, it's light to me. It doesn't matter. I can see right through it. I can see where you're at. And he says that he is going to be as bright as day, even in our darkness. You see, you might feel lost and confused, but this is what God does with darkness. He brings order and life. He brings order and life. God's light will bring order and life out of your darkness. Some of you need to hear that today. You've been in this dark spot and you're like, what's even going to come of this? Is there going to be anything good? God wants to say to you this morning, I am bringing order and life out of your dark season. It's what he's always done. It might not just spring up right today. It might still be dark for a little while, but you can be assured that he has not abandoned you. He's not walking away from you. See, God is committed to dark places. He doesn't run and hide. He doesn't stake out the corners of his light and say, ah, keep the darkness away. I don't want to be diminished or overshadowed. God's not concerned about that. He runs right into the darkness, goes right to the dark places in our life. The places that we're ashamed of, that we're afraid of, that we're uncertain of, that we just can't sort through, that's where God goes to bring order 
and life. God is so committed to reaching us in our darkness that he took all of that light and he squeezed it into human skin. He squeezed it into the body of Jesus and he inserted a man who was the light of the world into our darkness. You see, that's the kind of God, that's how we know that he's not afraid of the darkness. He's not backing away saying, you're too much for me. Some of you in here, you felt like you're too much for people. You're too depressed. You're too confused. You're too overwhelmed with life. People are going to give up on me. God says to you this morning, he will not give up on you. He is pressing into those dark places. Jesus declared in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. See, when he entered into dark places, he wasn't overcome. He wasn't diminished. He only shined brighter. Jesus declared this about himself. He read this scripture and he said that it was fulfilled in him. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. See, this is what light came to do. This is what it looks like when the light of heaven touches earth. The good news is declared, the brokenhearted are comforted, freedom is proclaimed, prisoners are released, those in mourning and grieving are bestowed with beauty and comfort. There's joy and praise instead of despair. You see, when light touches earth, order and life, things of the kingdom, things of the kingdom happen. This is the work of redemption and restoration. This is why Jesus came. This is the plan. This is the plan that light would so cut through the darkness, would so penetrate that it would rescue the prisoners, that it would comfort the brokenhearted, that it would be joy. And you see, the thing is, guys, it's not just for us. It's not just for a holy huddle on a Sunday morning. It's for the entire world. What is God's plan to do that? Matthew 5, verse 13 to 15. This is our Sermon on the Mount scripture. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Glorify your Father in heaven. This is God's plan. This is the plan for the world. This statement is shocking. If we are back on that hillside, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is surrounded by his disciples and a whole bunch of people. And he looks at them and he says, you are the light of the world. 
You people that have no power, no status, you people that have been ruled by Romans, you people that are backs against the wall who are looking to me to rescue you. Yes, I am the light of the world, but you are the light of the world. This was revolutionary. This subverted everything that they ever thought about themselves. Jesus was calling out that person in the corner that felt like nothing and said, you're going to bring light to the world. You're going to bring transformation. See, Jews would have been very familiar with God, having been referred to as light. Also, the Torah, the Holy, Holy Scripture, would have been referred to as light. For Jesus to look at an average person and say, no, but, but you, you are the light of the world. This would have been shocking. See, what he was doing was honoring them. You see, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And then he says, you're the light of the world. Which one is it? Well, he is the light of the world. And we get to reflect his light. We get to have that light because of our relationship with him. It's all about him. It's not because we're incredible and wonderful and marvelous and we've got it all together. It's simply because of our relationship with him. He is the light of the world. And then he says, now you go and be the light of the world also. See, he is commissioning ordinary people to do Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is not for the holy people. It's not for the people on staff at church. I mean, it's for them too, but it's not just for them. It's for the ordinary Jesus follower that feels like, can I make a difference in a dark world? Jesus says, yes, of course you are, because you are the light of the world. And you can do the work of Isaiah 61. You can free the captives. You can comfort those in mourn. You can bring joy. You can bring praise. That's what it means to be a light. And you see... This was always God's intention. Genesis 1, 28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This was always God's intention, partnership with us, to do it with him, to be invited into this mission, his mission. Do it with me, reign with me. Reach a world with me. You see, nothing has changed. What Jesus is saying in this scripture, partner with me. I'm the light. Be the light with me. Do it with me. You see, the hard thing about this salt and light scripture, if we've been around the church long enough, we've been bashed over the head with this way too many times. Shake a little more salt. Shine a little bit more light. Be a better person. Hand out a few tracts. Evangelize a little bit more. Be a brighter light. Jesus is counting on you. And it's almost like we get berated with it. We get hit around the head and shamed with it. But you see, that's not what, what Jesus is saying when he says, be the salt and be the light. When he says, there's that whole part where he says, you know, don't lose your saltiness. Otherwise, you'll be thrown away. Well, like, oh, great. Well, I'm not salty enough. I'm going to be thrown away. No, what Jesus is saying is, there is nothing else but this. He's not saying like, I'm going to toss you away because you're not good enough. He's saying, this is what it's all about. Salt, light, there's nothing else. This is the mission, guys. This is the plan. This is what it's all about. I, had, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but I have to mention Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, please go and see it. But for all of you that have, you know there's this part in No Man's Land when they say, it's not what we came for. We came to do something else. This is the mission. This is what it's all about. 
And she goes out then, she does what she does, and she is who she is, which is incredible. But guys, that's the invitation to us this morning. This is the only mission. Rescue, redeem, restore the world, be a light, point people back to Jesus. Yes, raise a godly family. Yes, work hard. Yes, do all those things that are kingdom principles, but it's all for this. There is no other mission. There's no other mission but to be lights in the world. God wants to collaborate with us, to dream with us, to work together on his plan. You see, we swing one of two ways. We either swing towards, oh, we have to do everything. The legalism, it's so hard. If I just was a better person, if I prayed more, if I worked harder, my family would be saved, my workplace would be transformed. It's all on me. Some of us grew up under that kind of weight. If you don't reach the world, nobody will, right? And it's this heavy burden and we just feel like we can never do enough. Some of us swing the other way. God's got it. It's all good. Don't need anything from me. God of the universe, right? You don't need me, don't need me. I will live a kind of moral life. That's enough. Neither of those are biblical invitations. Neither of those are what God has shared in scripture that he wants to do with us. Number three, third option, do it with God. It's his mission. The presumption that your workplace was complete darkness until you showed up, it's just not true. It's just not true because get this, guys, God was there before you walked through the door. God has been working the idea that San Francisco was a pit of darkness till reality showed up, till you came in. Not true. God has been here. You see, God's been on this mission always since Genesis. Let there be light. He doesn't stop because he knows there's nothing but the mission to restore us to him. So we get to jump on this with him and believe that he's been there and he's been working. Let that comfort you for a second and lift that weight off. Gosh, I'm the only Christian in my workplace. I'm the only Christian in my family. I gotta lift this heavy load. No, you have someone that is doing it with you. And he was there before you and he'll be there after you. But he invites us to co-labor, to do it with him. See, this salt and light verse is not meant to shame us. God is not into a culture of shame. He's into a culture of honor. If the church has been a place where you've been shamed, then I'm sorry, because that's not the heart of God. God is about honor. And what honor says is, I see you. You are significant. I see the value and the worth and the role that you play. And I honor that. Imagine the humility of God, that he would invite us into this journey and say, I honor you. I want you to be part of this with me. I want to do it together. This is not a pride for God that's like, I got it. I don't need anybody. But this is a God that invites us to partner with him. He honors us. Matthew 5 is not supposed to berate you and make you feel like a bad Christian. Is supposed to invite you into this co-laboring with Jesus to be a light in the world. Some of us are looking for the meridian sun in our workplace or in our families. We're looking for that boom. 
a moment where like everything's transformed and it's incredible and I pray for those moments and I believe for those moments and God can do those moments and even this morning he's doing those moments but you know so often he waxes progressively the light just the way that he moves in us to draw us closer to him you have no idea the effect you may be having on your coworker, on your family. You have no idea the light that is shining. Simply because you are in relationship with Jesus, you are walking in obedience to him. You have no idea how you are slowly shifting everything towards the light that the sun would be on their faces. I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you feel like you're letting people down. You're just not enough. You should be doing more. God wants to encourage you this morning that his light is shining. If you are following him and you are being obedient to him and sensitive to him, your light is shining. But he's also challenging us this morning because there is a weight for the scripture, not to hide our light under a bowl, but to set it up. And this goes back to the point that this is the only mission. This is what it's all about. You actually matter. The way that you live your life, the choices that you make matter. So there's this tension between God saying, you are the light of the world. You are shining. You're making a difference. You're making an impact. And also this challenge, don't hide who you are. Don't pull away from the mission and be about the things of the world. Be about my kingdom. Be about my light. Where you are, where you shine, you are bringing order and life. Order and life. That is what God is doing through our community. That is what he's doing through believers, people that are following him. Maybe you're here this morning and you have absolutely zero clue what I'm talking about because you don't know Jesus. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you wandered in this morning. Maybe you have been praying to a God, whoever it is, show yourself to me. Show up and make yourself visible. I, I want to be about this faith thing, but I just don't see it. This morning, this is God making himself visible to you. If you've been praying that prayer, this sermon is for you today. That is what is on my heart as I've been preparing, that there are people here and you've just been like, okay, show me a light, some kind of blinding light. This is your moment this is the moment where God wants to reach out and grab your heart and say, you've been asking for this. This is me. This is me showing up right now and revealing myself to you. He's calling you in to relationship. Some of you have been on the fence about following Jesus. But you feel that tug this morning. That is that waxing illumination of Jesus just pulling you in, loving you. Some of you are feeling, oh, that dark season, that's me. I've been in that dark season for so long. And I've just been kind of holding on. And I've just not known why, what God is doing. And this morning, he wants to remind you that he's not abandoned you. He's committed to you in the darkness. And he's developing this capacity to see without seeing. Some of you this morning are feeling convicted, pressed on certain things in your life. It might be completely obscure and nothing to do with the sermon, but you feel like it's coming up. You feel tears. 
you feel heart beating, you just feel like God's doing something, that is the waxing illumination of God on your life. Don't leave without responding. Don't leave without acknowledging that God is calling you, the God of the universe, that set everything into motion, that put the constellation in the sky, would this morning come down and touch your heart, your life, your circumstances. Don't walk away from that. He has something for you. And for those of us here today that just feel like God is just gently nudging you, don't hide your light under a bowl. Be who you are called to be. Be about the mission of God. Be about redemption and restoration. I want to encourage you to respond however God leads you this morning. It might be to come kneel. It might be to come get some prayer. It might simply be in your own heart to say, yes, God. I've been distracted by climbing the ladder of work and I've been distracted by all these relationships and all these anxieties and all this stuff, but I want to be about the only mission that you're about. God, I recommit to that mission to rescue, to redeem, to restore, to be part of that with you. Maybe that's how God's wanting to shift us this morning. I just want to invite the worship team to come back up and I'm going to just lead us in a time of response. We're going to just, we'll just take a moment before we move and do anything. If we could just, uh, let's just close our eyes this morning. Let's just close our eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you that the darkness is as light to you. You see this entire room. You see every life individually, every family, every workplace. Holy Spirit, would you come and illuminate our hearts this morning? There's some of you that came in here with super heavy burdens, and the illumination that God wants to do is just to lift them off of you and to say, you don't have to do this by yourself. I'm in this with you. I'm there to partner with you. I feel a sense of loneliness. Some of you feel incredibly lonely. You feel like you're just trying to be a light. You're just trying to be in San Francisco and to not feel swallowed up and you feel incredibly lonely. This morning, the Holy Spirit just wants to come alongside of you. And I just see this image of him putting his arm around your waist and saying, you're not alone. You're not alone. I'm with you in this. I'm going to lead you forward. There are some of you that are in seasons of confusion about work. You've been thinking about leaving or going. You just don't even know which way to go and you feel uncertain and you're tempted just to like make a decision because you feel like God doesn't care about that detail of your life. God wants to be involved in that process with you. If that's you this morning and you've been you've been thinking about a work situation that you feel like you should step out from or do something totally different. I feel like the invitation of the Lord this morning is grab somebody you trust, talk it over with them, get some wisdom, bring it to Him, ask Him. God wants to speak into your circumstance and your situation. Some of you are here this morning and your marriage is dark. And you feel like, you don't know how to be a light when your partner doesn't know the Lord or is maybe in not the greatest spot right now and you're just really wrestling with that. The Lord also wants you to know he's in it with you. You are not alone. He is at work. The waxing illumination of God to draw you as a couple 
closer to him. Some of you here this morning have been, you felt dark because of sickness. There's like sickness in your life, serious sickness, and you have just felt so abandoned by God. And I just want to encourage you to come forward for prayer for healing today. And some of you here this morning, that Wonder Woman, (laughs) that really got you. Some of you in this room, you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to be about the mission. I want to be about who God created me to be. And I feel like there's illumination here today to see yourself how God sees you. That you are significant in his mission. That you've not been overlooked. And there's this moment in the movie where she throws off her cape. And she rises up and it's just like this incredible Wonder Woman scene, but it's like, this is your moment. Like some of you today and men and women, it's time to throw off the cape. It's time to stop hiding. It's time to stop being small and hidden under a bowl. God says, I see you, come do this with me. I'm calling you to do significant things. I see you shifting big things up, influences in this room. There are people here and you're called to shift companies and organizations and issues in San Francisco. And you've been afraid about stepping up because you're like, I don't know if I can do it. You can't, but you can with him. And God would say to you this morning, I'm calling you to throw off that cape. Stop hiding under a bowl. Be who I've called you to be. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that we are only light because you are light. Thank you. It's your grace. It's your gift. We love you, Jesus. Do your work today. In Jesus' name, amen.